You're listening to Season 8, Episode Number 11 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I discuss mission in the Pauline Epistles. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Penn. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so very much. As always, I certainly appreciate you checking out this episode and each episode of my podcast. We are moving right along with season eight. Actually, the end approacheth. Uh, Today we're in uh, the Pauline epistles, and I think uh, what we're going to do is we're probably going to do this as a two-part episode. Uh, There's just so much in the Pauline epistles that, one, I cannot do justice uh, to our theme of mission in the Pauline literature of these 13 books. And two, um, I think what would happen if I tried to tackle everything in my book, Theology of Mission, in the ninth chapter, looking at mission in the Pauline literature, I think that this podcast episode would would be way too long for both of our likings. And so... I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to split this. I'm going to split this into a two-part episode. After this podcast uh, episode and the next, we will plan to be addressing mission in the general epistles, and then we'll be wrapping up with uh, mission in the apocalypse. And that will conclude season eight. And then I am going to uh, go off to some deserted island somewhere and recover (laughs) or I will just find a coffee shop somewhere here in Birmingham, Alabama, and have a cappuccino. So, you know, it'll either be Tahiti or one of my shops that I enjoy here in town. Who knows? Uh, hey, what else is uh, is going on? Well, obviously, if you are just joining us for the first exposure to Strike the Match, you are jumping into... Uh, the middle of not only, well, I guess I should say it's a little bit later than the middle, it's toward the end, the latter part of the eighth season, and I have done something different this season, and that is I am uh, dedicating the entire season to uh, one of my books that came out last year, and that is my book, Theology of Mission. And so I've basically been hitting significant elements, significant portions of that book. And this season has been atypical in the sense that I, I've i never done that before with any of my other publications. Uh, you know, I, I've taken some, some episodes and seasons to address certain issues, certain matters in some of my books, and even even spend maybe a few episodes in one particular season. I know I did that, I think, back in season, it was either season six or seven, I can't remember, with uh, Apostolic Imagination, which, interestingly, I did that a year or two before Apostolic Imagination came out, which it came out last year. 
Uh, and then I would usually have guests on. And this year's been different. Excuse me, this season has been different. So if you are new to Strike the Match, in addition to a welcome, uh, I wanted to give you that little bit of of orientation uh, to what I've done in the previous seven seasons. Uh, which kind of brings me to my selfish advertisement and plug for my book, Theology of Mission, A Concise Biblical Theology. I would love it and would be honored if you would consider getting a copy and, uh, and reading it and sending me some feedback. Uh, consider posting a review uh, online at Amazon or Goodreads or any of those other avenues that are out there. I would, would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Hey, if you're a professor friend, professor friends that are out there, um, here's something that I, I I mentioned, oh, I don't know, I guess it was maybe a month or so ago uh, on some of my social media outlets. Uh, if you're not tracking me on on the, uh, the typical ones that are out there, I'd encourage you to do so. But uh, professor friends, um, uh, something I mentioned, I guess, is you know, a month, a couple months ago, and that is if I have time in you know in my schedule, and we can work out a date. If you are requiring one of my books, and it could be theology of mission, but it could be another book. If you're requiring one of my books for uh, for one of your classes, first of all, uh, thank you so very much, and and that is that is truly a, a blessing and an honor to me. Uh, that you would do that. Uh, but if you're requiring one of my books for one of your classes, uh, I would be be delighted to volunteer um, uh, an hour of my time, uh, if we can work it out, to uh, to Zoom into your class uh, or Skype or whatever video venue you prefer, and uh, and speak to your students uh, about the uh, uh, about the book that they were reading or qu- answer questions they may have or um, uh, or you know if you want me to sing a song. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if that's something that appeals to you and you're using uh, one of my books uh, in one of your classes and we can work out a time, I can't guarantee that I can uh, meet every request uh, because I do have a day job like you. Uh, this podcast is not my day job and I do not get paid for it. And so um, if we can work it out, uh, I would be more than more than honored to uh, to have some time with you and and uh, be a blessing to you and, and your your students. All right, so let's jump in and let's think about mission in the Pauline epistles. Let me give you the high altitude approach that I follow in providing a concise summary of mission in the in the in the Pauline literature. I see at least, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, at least nine, nine sub-themes, if you will, or, or nine ways that that concept of blessing the nations is fleshed out in the 13 epistles of the Apostle Paul. So you see blessing of the nations through a man, that God blesses the nations through a man, and in this case... It's specifically related to Paul's conversion and his calling. Uh, The blessing of the nations through a message. And in the Pauline literature, no surprise here, a message of justification by faith. Uh, The blessing of the nations, third way to think about this, the blessing of the nations through a mystery. And that is mercy through resistance. Uh, I'll unpack that uh, today in this episode. 
uh, blessing the nations through a people, and that is uh, the church, the body of Christ. So, so those are the four things that I, I want to touch on in, in part one in uh, the Pauline epistles today. Uh, the next episode will continue on, and so we'll be thinking about blessing the nations through a plan, and that is the approach that the apostle uses of creating, or what we use in our contemporary jargon today, planting churches, that is, local kingdom communities. Blessing of the nations through a process, and that is the ingathering of the Gentiles. We see a great deal of Paul's discussion of that in his writings. Uh, the blessing of the nations through an invitation, and that is the call to the Lord. I'll unpack that in the next episode, along with blessing the nations through a people. In this case, it's God's living temple. So that ties in, obviously, with the church. But it's a, another metaphor, <clears throat> excuse me, another metaphor, but not just a metaphor of expressing the people of God, but there is great theological uh, weight in that notion of God's living temple, if you will. And then finally, we'll wrap up thinking about uh, blessing the nations through a practice, and that is regular and in, regular and intentional evangelism. Did the Apostle Paul expect these new churches that he and his teams were engaged in planting? or the uh, churches that had been planted by others, uh, did he expect them to be involved in doing evangelism? Um, that's, that's been a big discussion topic, a point of debate for, for a few years, uh, several years now. And so we'll plan to get into that into the next episode. So I'm going to tackle the first four of these uh, in this episode of thinking about uh, mission of God in the Pauline epistles. So let me go ahead and just kind of give us some movement into that direction. Whenever you go back to the 1960s, it was really around that period of time in the mid-20th century that biblical scholars began to turn their attentions in earnest to Paul's ministry and calling. Uh, up until that time, Paul was definitely studied almost exclusively as a theologian, but during the 60s, scholars came to recognize that Paul's theology was derived from his ministry experience. Paul's theology developed from, from really an amalgamation of, of sources. These were primarily his Old Testament convictions, his conversion to Christ, the Spirit's special revelation of God's truth, and his ministry to Jews and Gentiles. Uh, these areas converged and shaped his way of thinking about God and mission and are found throughout his, his writings. So what I want us to, to think about as we, we move in this direction is related to how those aspects of Paul's life and thought and experiences uh, both with the Old Testament scriptures and in the present reality of what the Spirit was doing, how all of that came together to shape and form his understanding of what we call mission. Paul was Jewish, of course, of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, and Romans chapter 11, we also find out that not only he, was he uh, of those uh, uh, Markings. He was also a Pharisee. He was from Tarsus. Uh, he was educated 
at the time by the reputable Gamaliel, and he was an individual, uh, according to Acts 22, verse 3, who was zealous for God. He had extensive training in Judaism, was clearly hostile to the disciples of Jesus until his conversion. Uh, His understanding of the Hebrew scriptures established a foundation on which he built his understanding of the Messiah and mission. Paul did not see himself as developing and propagating a new religion or a sect of Judaism. That's very important. Rather, he believed his labors were a continuation of the mission of God in the Old Testament. His numerous references to Abraham, Israel's election, Moses and the law, justification by faith, and the mystery of the inclusion of the Gentiles into God's kingdom provide continuity with God's original plan and purpose. From Paul's perspective, God's redemptive and restorative plan had not changed. The fullness of time had arrived, according to Galatians 4.4. Israel became partially hardened to the gospel, and the ingathering of the Gentiles had begun, according to Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Paul's relationship with Christ and apostolic calling moved him toward a new purpose in life and greatly influenced his, what I'll call, apostolic imagination. (laughs) And there's the commercial to my other book by that title, Apostolic Imagination. All right, so those sub-themes that I want to unpack in this episode, let's, let's start with blessing the nations through a man and, and that's Paul, particularly, his conversion and calling. In other words, he's, he's very clear about his conversion experience and God's mission. So while Paul was not the only one making disciples and planting churches in the first century, he was significantly involved and influential in the church's first century labors, particularly among the Gentiles. Uh, Hearing Jesus' question on the Damascus Road, why are you persecuting me, was sufficient uh, to transform Paul's theological foundation and really reorient his worldview. The one he opposed was the righteous one from God who would soon bring judgment on the nations, according to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The experience forced him to re-examine much of his views on the Old Testament. Uh, Paul's apostolic calling was related to his conversion. Though he was a persecutor of the church, God sent, or excuse me, God set him apart before his birth, according to Galatians chapter 1. As noted in a previous podcast episode, I believe it was the, the one uh, in the book of Acts that, uh, we, uh, that I just did, um, the language that you see used there that recalls God's words to Isaiah uh, and Jeremiah when it comes to the issue of calling. Uh, we see Paul picking up on that language, and, and it's related to his calling and what he is supposed to engage in. Now, recognizing the true identity of the Messiah, Paul sought to persuade others to the faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, he wrote to the Galatians that following his conversion, he was called to preach Christ among the Gentiles. Luke's account agrees with this testimony. 
but adds that Paul was to take the gospel to the Jews as well. If we go back to Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 22. Um, And clearly, the Jews were a group that Paul never neglected, according to his own writings in Romans chapter 10. Uh, For example, his, his greeting to the Romans notes the relationship of his calling uh, and service among the Gentiles. So he's go back and look at the first six verses of Romans chapter 1, and you will see uh, this relationship about the connection between what he is called to do and what he's doing and the Gentiles. All right, so that's the first kind of sub-theme. Second sub-theme here, God blessing the nations through a message. And when we look at the Pauline literature, the way that that happens is through a message of justification by faith. So Paul's understanding of the need for mission is deeply connected to the reality that neither Jew nor Gentile are righteous, but all have turned aside from God's standards. And we see that in Romans chapter 3, and Paul is borrowing from... Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. Because of their status, God's wrath is upon them. Romans chapter 1. Paul provides an extensive description of the state of people's sinful nature before God in the first three chapters of the book of Romans. Everyone's dead in their trespasses, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. However, justification comes by faith and not through the works of the law. See Romans chapter 3, Galatians chapter 2. It is through relationship with the Creator that blessing is received. And that is something that we've seen throughout this entire season as we think about the mission of God up until this point in the, the biblical literature. Just as Abraham believed the word of God and it was seen as righteousness in God's eyes, Genesis chapter 15, Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 3, both Jew and Gentile had to follow this same path, for it was only through faith that people could become the sons of Abraham, according to Galatians chapter 3 verse 7. This necessary faith comes from hearing the word of Christ, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul recognizes that the good news of the Messiah is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1. While this message is, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, folly to those who are perishing, It is the power of God to those who are being saved by it. Paul proclaims this gospel that everyone may become righteous. And if you look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Such Sonship exists now outside of the confines of the Old Testament covenants. Now through Christ, both Jews and Gentiles who were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, they're now built together into a holy temple for God, Ephesians chapter 2. And I'll talk about holy temple of God in the next episode 
hopefully. For Paul, the true children of Abraham, and thus recipients of the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, are the disciples of Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. All right, next sub-theme. Blessing the nations through a mystery. So all of this is a mysterious thing when you hit the first century. And so what do we see? Blessing the nations through a mystery. And I would say, think in terms of mercy through resistance. Now, Paul and talks about mystery um, in a variety of different ways throughout his writings. But one of the things that I want us to think about, at least at this moment, is the notion of mercy through resistance. So, yes, he talks about mystery being uh, this mystery of Jew and Gentile being in one body, the mystery of God in the flesh. But think in terms of mercy through resistance for just a moment. So, such acts of God among Jews and Gentiles were considered a mystery in Christ. This, this notion of being the true children of Abraham, uh, hidden for centuries, according to Romans 16 and Ephesians 3. While Paul recognizes the historical reality of what God is doing, particularly in the first century, it is his understanding that the mystery is no more and is now a message to make clear to everyone, according to Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It is revealed through Christ that all things in heaven and earth would be restored. Christ would be in his people, which includes the Gentiles, according to Colossians chapter 1. The mystery of the incorporation of both Jew and Gentile into the people of God Pay attention here. The, the mystery of this incorporation into the people of God of both Jew and Gentile involves a hardening of Israel to the gospel. Because of disobedience, we're going to jump over to Romans chapter 11 and run with the branches metaphor. All right, because of disobedience, the branches of Jewish unbelievers were broken off of the olive tree in order that the faithful wild olive shoot, also known as Gentiles, could be grafted in among the branches. Paul also notes, this is a mystery worthy of understanding. Israel's resistance to the Messiah is temporary and remains, according to Paul in Romans 11.25, remains until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Ironically, this eschatological ingathering of the nations that I've been talking about throughout this season is a means of stirring up righteous jealousy among Israel so that the natural branches will be grafted in and the Jews come to salvation, according to Romans chapter 11. While Paul did not view his ministry to the Gentiles as simply a means to Israel's salvation— he understands the mystery shown to the Gentiles as part of the mission of God to show mercy to the Jews. Romans chapter 11, and Paul uses that to touch on things mentioned by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 20 and 21. All right, last sort of sub-theme that I want us to think about in this episode, and that is God blessing the nations through a people, and in, in the Pauline literature, you see this very strongly show up with this concept of the church. 
So Paul recognizes a significant connection between his ministry and part of the servant's ministry in Isaiah, for example. So as noted in the uh, podcast, the previous podcast on the book of Acts, Luke records a connection between Paul's calling and ministry uh, at uh, the city of Pisidia, Antioch, to Isaiah's servant. After the Jews resist the gospel in the city, Paul declares he and Barnabas are turning their attentions toward the Gentiles. So I'm jumping back here to to the book of Acts for just a moment. Uh, Again, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast on the mission mission of God in Acts, listen to that one. While Paul obviously prefers to preach to receptive peoples, his, or excuse me, this strategic transition of him going to the Gentiles is not based on pragmatism. Rather, Luke notes that the Lord gave the apostolic team a command to take the good news to the Gentiles. So where did Paul find such a command? According to Luke, in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, it was from the book of Isaiah. And here's the passage, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul's use of Isaiah's servant passages raises a variety of questions. Uh, Did Paul see himself as the servant? Did he see the servant as the new Israel and that he was part of the new Israel? Or did Paul see Jesus as the servant and because he was in Christ, he was an extension of the servant? Uh, A lot of scholars have debated and discussed these particular questions, and we see Paul, not only Luke, but Paul using Isaiah a great deal uh, in in his literature. Paul recognizes that Isaiah's servant pointed to the Messiah. However, it appears his understanding is that the text relates not only to the Messiah, but also to the Messiah's church, so the blessing of the nations through a people, the church. While Jesus fulfills much of what was described in the servant songs, the servant's mission remains unfulfilled. The eschatological ingathering of the Gentiles was yet to occur from Paul's perspective. Though Paul draws from Isaiah, he is not claiming to be the servant. Instead, His labors come from and serve as a continuation of the servant's ministry. Christ's resurrection empowers Paul to likewise take on the role of the servant in his Gentile ministry. This vision extends to Paul's understanding of the entire church, which cannot fulfill its God-given role without likewise becoming a servant. While Jesus is the servant to bring about the restoration of Israel, the global reach to the nations was to follow the ascension. Paul apparently views the mission of the servant split between Jesus and the church. The servant died and arose, but the good news was to extend to the ends of the earth through the church in which Paul was a member. He is then able to personalize the servant's mission to the nations. So when Paul begins to go into Isaiah and begins to discuss 
some of these things through his writings, you begin to see this notion of Paul feeling the gravity and the weight of being the one who is here in the fullness of time, waiting for the second coming, and the mission to take this message uh, to the nations was was very much on his mind and on his heart, and not just on himself and his apostolic teams, but upon all of the body of Christ, as it was locally expressed in various communities throughout the first century. Folks, we've covered a great deal of material in this episode, and yet just scratching the surface in the Pauline literature. In the next part uh, to this uh, two-part episode, I hope to address uh, another handful of sub-themes that we see showing up uh, in the Pauline literature related to the mission of God. Thanks a lot for checking this out. Until next time, take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.